Awesome. Welcome to the Life Church. Uh, connecting people with God's purpose uh, is our mission. And uh, I've got a lot to say this morning. I brought the stool up. I don't usually have the stool, but I'm going to try to, I'm going to sit myself down. I, I, I got my ramp up opportunity and I'm going to try to calm down this morning because I am going to be a, a little challenging this morning in my message. And so with that, I, I do want to make sure that that I stay, keep myself in a position of humility, a position of calmness, um, that, that in this challenge, um, that I, I don't want to be ramped up. <laughs> I can get real excited and get into preaching, and, and, uh, and I love this, and I, and I have something that I believe is absolutely um, something that, that is, at least it's helped me in my life, and it's helped me in my walk and my discipleship. I pray that it'll help you. Uh, but uh, we've been in the miracle series, I know, forever. Uh, we'll still be in the miracle series uh, for as long as forever I feel like it. I don't know. Um, and uh, I just, I honestly, I can't get enough. And I was talking to Pastor Jack, uh, talking about like Christmas series. And, uh, and, and like, she's just like, anyway, we just keep talking about Jesus' miracles. And that just excites me. That's just, that's just where I love to be. And, and so um, we're just still there. And last week, talking about the miracle of hearing which again was um, very challenging, um, but I think it's so wonderful in Mark chapter seven. We'll be there again, because as I said last week, there's really kind of a two-part miracle that we see here. And, um, and so it was the miracle of hearing, which was last week, and today will be the miracle of speaking. And I'll connect these two in a moment, but for right now, let's jump into the text. In Mark chapter 7, the same place we were last week, I'll read it all again. Um, in Mark chapter 7, verse 31, Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the ten towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone, and he put his fingers into the man's ears. I hope you all enjoyed my email this week for those of you that read that, talking about the fingers and the ears. Then, here we go, spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Epphatha, which means be opened. Instantly, the man could hear perfectly and his tongue was freed so that he could speak plainly. This is, this could just be a like a, um, a this, then that kind of miracle. He, we healed the hearing, therefore the speaking was also healed. As in, we know in the natural, scientifically speaking, like they are connected. I talked about last week how my in-laws, Becca's parents are both deaf. So she's come from a, a deaf community and her mom and her dad had two different levels of deafness where her mom could hear absolutely zero, absolutely nothing. And so the few words that she could manage to form through years of practice and lip reading and different things. She could say my wife's name, but saying supercalifragilisticexpialidocious was never going to happen, right? Like it's not even an option. And, um, and so then her dad, who still couldn't say the big word, don't know where that came from. Uh, the, her dad, who couldn't say that word, could form more words because of his level of hearing. So these things are absolutely connected. Our speaking is connected to our hearing. And, and here's some of the challenging aspects I want to share. Now, and now I, I, will, I will take uh, 
a, a little bit of freedom in this sense of like, this is not me, I'm reading the Bible. So if this, if this, um, if you feel your toes a little bit, <laughs> don't get mad at me. <laughs> I'm just reading some wisdom here. But we see these two connected, but, but several scriptures I wanted to look at. James 1.19 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. You know, quick to listen, that listening before speaking. Even if you have the ability to speak, we have wisdom here. We must be quick to listen. In Proverbs 18.2, a fool, and I think I put the wrong translation in here. I just realized that. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Well, how do we find understanding? We find understanding in listening. Listening to people, listening to stories, listening to wisdom. We find understanding, but it says a fool takes no pleasure in the listening. This is even one of the seven habits of highly effective people by Mr. Covey. It's even on the, if you'll notice as you leave today, there's still a, a big tree painted on the foyer, the atrium area. And, um, and because the school follows the seven habits and in the seven habits, it says, seek first to understand before being understood. Stephen Covey's taking that from scripture, that concept and that idea, and he's rewording it for everyone. And then Proverbs 18, 13 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Spouses, do not look at the person next to you right now, or if your kid's with you, don't look at them. Just eyes forward, and everybody stays safe, and everybody has a peaceful lunch. But I'll read that again. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. I believe when I looked at this, in preparation for even last week's message and these, these miracles, that as I, I looked at this aspect of the connected, that there's a, there's a, fear, a physical, a practical aspect of our hearing, our ability to hear is connected to our ability to speak, but how much so would that maybe possibly be connected in the spiritual? That our ability to hear God affects our ability to speak God's truth in his, his character that these two things are absolutely connected. What we hear is what we speak, even in a spiritual sense. We know this to be true, how many of us, and, and, and I'll just, I just say it, I don't want to pick and, 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 and get too much on this, as I feel like too often us preachers, we get too hung up on the culture of today and news and social media, but these are also real things as they begin to affect us and affect our heart and our minds that this is what we hear, whether it just even be negativity or pessimism or, or lack of faith and hearing fear, hearing darkness, that we hear so much of this and it becomes, it begins to affect the things that we then say because what we take in affects, what we hear affects what we speak and, and, and it's this, this struggle. And so absolutely in the church, this becomes an issue. As, as we engage in a limited amount into God's word or into church or into fellowship with fellow believers and other people, and we begin to limit the things that we hear of God while we engage in the world through work and school and friends and TV and all these different things, and it begins to affect our ability to speak his truth. And so often we think that we're speaking a certain thing 
and we may not. And even we may be even thinking that we're speaking truth, but we're speaking it in such a way that the character, the goodness, the love, the mercy, the compassion of God is not found in the things that we say. And this is a challenge. But how can we speak love when we are unable to hear love? How can we speak mercy or peace when we are unable to speak peace? This is not just about, even though I'm wearing a sweatshirt that says be kind, even though I'm wearing this today, it was just, it was convenient. I haven't worn it. It's been summer, right? And hot and we're finally in cooler weather. I'm like sweatshirt time. I love sweatshirt time. And, uh, and I'm finally getting to wear it. And and even though I'm wearing this be kind, I'm not just talking about just being mean though. I'm not just talking about unkind words and the things when the guy cuts you off in traffic. Oh, he can't hear you. It's okay to say it, right? And, uh, and as long as you don't show it, you know. Um, and, uh, but, but what about the truths of God and his character? What about the fruits of the spirit, our inability to speak the fruits of the spirits? And we begin to speak other things that are far from it. It's, it's, I remember when, when I was in a dire situation and, and needing a miracle and, and or just even guidance. And, and there was somebody who I knew to be uh, an amazing person of prayer, but they were not a person of peace. So in my situation, I needed peace in the midst of my chaos. So I needed somebody who could speak peace. But how often are we unable to speak peace in our environment and situation and culture and families because we are unable to hear peace? And there's a connection between these two things. And this, this saddens my heart in our inability. And I know this all to be true because I have been there before. I have been the one serving in youth and thinking that I'm doing so good and I'm loving on kids until I went on a retreat and, and, and got away and had my life radically transformed so much that when I went back to work as a teacher, and working in youth ministry that people knew that I was different because all of a sudden I was actually speaking love because I had received a love that I had never known before in my life. We need a world that needs to hear you speak acceptance because they don't know anything but rejection in their world. But when we are unable to acknowledge the acceptance in our own life, when we can't hear acceptance, it affects our ability to speak acceptance and we tend to default to judgment. Our ability to speak affects or is affected by our ability to hear. And too often, too often we think we're speaking fruit of the spirit and we sound like fruit cakes instead of that fruit. How can we speak these things? I have a phrase I use a lot. And then uh, in this phrase, it's a phrase that I don't even know where it came from. Uh, and maybe it's somebody else's, I don't know. And it's a phrase that I use often and, and uh, uh, so much so I, I love when Pastor David will repeat it or even challenge me. This is, this is a phrase that can be used to even check my own heart in situations. And, uh, but it's a phrase that I use for measuring and understanding what people are saying. And this is people who are near me, around me, um, family members. This is a phrase that I can use to understand even the world, the news, uh, social media posts, and, and understand so many different aspects. But it's also a phrase that I can use to even understand myself. 
Because it's so important that we obviously make sure that we look in the mirror before we look into other people's eyes. And uh, this phrase is simply this. Words are a reflection of the source rather than the destination. Words are a reflection of the source rather than the destination. That the words that I speak are a reflection of who I am rather than the destination of what I speak to. Now, this can be very challenging. This is very nuanced. We see, I loved, I was thinking about Peter. Peter, Jesus asks a question to Peter, and, and Peter gets the question right. And Jesus then goes, yeah, yeah, that was the Holy Spirit in you. Like, Peter didn't even get credit in this situation, which I love this picture. Jesus asks a question. He gives time. Peter answers the question, and we give credit to the Holy Spirit. But then just shortly afterwards, Jesus makes a statement. There is no question. Peter reacts and gets called the devil. <laughs> He's like, get behind me, Satan, like this situation. I, I feel like sometimes maybe the overflow of our heart is what we give our heart time to ponder instead of our mouth. But that, that's a whole other thing. And there's a lot we could say about this. There's a lot I could say about this. The words are a reflection of the source rather than the destination. And we shared out of Luke 6.45, we see a similar verse to this. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. This is a challenging thing because so often as a person, let's be real, as a person sometimes, but but like but that person really is annoying, right? <laughs> like, like anybody with me, you got that coworker, that kid, like you've got that person in your life and like, and you're like, but they really are annoying. And, and even in situations where there may be something truthful to what we say, it's still a reflection of the position of my heart that I would allow them to annoy me. And so, so again, this is very, very nuanced in the situation, but so often we think, I, at least let me speak on my own part. Too often I have excused my own words in the sense of, but, but that thing in the bottom of the sink is dirty. Don't look at the water coming out of the faucet that is dirty. The thing that the water is hitting is what's dirty. And we must look and recognize that the source that the water comes from, I remember having a water leak somewhere in the system that the water coming out of my faucet was no longer clear. But that didn't mean that I needed to look to the bottom of the sink to find the water leak. Like there was an issue in the water line, but it wasn't found in the sink. It was going to be found somewhere else. I'm going to climb or crawl, excuse me, crawl under my house, pier and beam house, crawling through the dirt and flashlight and thank goodness for wireless tools and taking a sawzall down there and, uh, and, and, and having this horrible experience because I either didn't have the money or wasn't going to spend the money uh, to, to pay a plumber to fix this. I'm going to do it myself. And I had to crawl down into the source of this situation deep down in my house to find what the issue was that dirt is getting in my water line and coming out of the faucet. The issue wasn't in the bottom of the sink. The issue was deep down inside the house. And so often I want to excuse certain things and especially in our, in our negative talk that, but but there really is situations. And in, and in this nuance, I don't want to give too much room, but I do want to also acknowledge the truth that sometimes we speak about difficult things. And so I like, 
I shouldn't say I don't really like it. I, I should just, you know how we say sometimes, yeah, I like that. Like we're just acknowledging, but we say we like it. And then we, we follow it with something like really challenging. We're like, you don't actually like that, right? We just tend to like say things a certain way. But I value the acknowledgement that even when I need to speak to a challenging situation or a challenging issue, challenging politics, challenging criticisms of my new favorite show. I don't care what you say. I like that show. I don't care what the Rotten Tomato score is. And we speak to challenging things, and, and I must acknowledge the way in which I speak about it. Even is speaking in the car. Uh, I was like, I was going to have to be on good behavior. We're at men's conference this week. And so I had, I had Narcisse and LD who are riding in my car with me and having to drive 45 minutes to North Dallas, which I hate driving into Dallas area. Uh, like, like, send me to Fort Worth. Send me to Grapevine. Send me that direction. And, uh, but not to Dallas. Like, please, Lord. <laughs> like, but that's where the conference was. And we were going to a men's conference. And I'm like, oh, man. I got to be on my best behavior, Lord. I better, I better fill my heart with you so that way the overflow of my heart is going to be what you have to say to that person driving and not what I have to say. I practice those things and, and challenge myself in those things. And don't worry, I do it when they're not in the car too. And, you know, I haven't flipped somebody off in a really long time. We won't say how long that time is and I won't tell you how long I've been a pastor and we won't correlate these two things. It's been long enough. Just know that confidence. But, but I think even when someone can hear us, I think it's important how we align ourselves, how we align our hearts. I love an Aesop fable. Uh, I enjoy reading Aesop's fables, and it's such an old ancient wisdom that exists. And in this one called The Trumpeter Taken Prisoner it says, A trumpeter during battle ventured too near the enemy and was captured by them. They were about to proceed to put him to death when he begged them to hear his plea for mercy. I do not fight, said he, and indeed carry no weapon. I only blow this trumpet and surely that cannot harm you. Then why should you kill me? You may not fight yourself, said the others, but you encourage and guide your men to the fights. And the lesson is words may be deeds. Our life is how people see the church. And so often what people see the church in the church and how they see the church is by our actions and the things we say and how we speak and the way we carry ourselves in public in ways that absolutely our words are an overflow of our hearts. And yet that heart is not representing Jesus we're, we're, we're still a society that's still deeply, I like how I'll just quote him. Uh, Rich Velota said, the sad irony of our day is we can be deeply committed to being Christian, but not deeply formed by Christ. And I recognize how much of a process this is and, and the process of change and transformation and being humble in our heart to say, God, where is an area in which I still need to grow and change and transform in these spaces? And even like I said, in my own example, when I'm, I'm serving in youth ministry, I'm doing these wonderful things and I'm a teacher in, in a private Christian school and I'm doing the things of God and still failing to realize until transformation had taken place and I could look back in hindsight to see how rigid I was being 
how unloving I had been and the way I had spoken to teenagers and that in this, in this atmosphere of desiring to help them, I was still speaking in such a way that condemned them or put them down instead of lifting them up when my intention was not to do that. But I spoke it in the only way that I knew. I spoke in the way that my heart had learned and experienced in itself. In the way that, and, and, and not to, to cast shame or shadow on my parents or upbringing, I had wonderful aspects of that, but still formed by the world and still taking in the brokenness of the environment in which I had grown up in. I remember when Becca and I learned and we took a, a test that measured us in so many giftings and, and all of a sudden we get our gifting back and I had never processed this and you've heard me, if you've been here long enough, I've talked about it before, and we get our test back and all of a sudden we, we get our results and realize that, that Becca was measured at 89% mercy. I clearly had the gift of mercy. And then my test came back at 11% mercy. I clearly did not have the gift of mercy. And that's the thing is some of us, there, there, there is a gifting for certain things. And what it did though is in learning this about myself is that I could begin to take intentional steps and processes to make sure that it's okay that maybe my life saw things a little more black and white, but there are gonna be times where I'm absolutely going to need to function in mercy. And I'm going to need to be intentional. So I'm going to need to be intentional and, and then learning how merciful God is with me and messing up enough times and looking back and be like, oh my goodness. Yes, I've seen myself in that position long enough. Anybody, anybody get annoyed with the person who drives down your neighborhood with the extremely loud sound system? and your windows are vibrating and you can hear, you, you don't even hear because you, you know you, you maybe hear, you, you don't even hear the words, not because it's mumble rap, but just because like the, the words are mumbled. All you hear is the bass. You just hear that bass. And, and uh, yeah, it's, that's me, by the way. Like not now, uh, just because I don't spend my money there, but I was that person. I was that college student who had the two 12-inch subwoofers in the trunk of my, my little import car that took up over half my trunk and, uh, and the amp and the, the, the kicker tweeters and, and mids and highs and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and I remember pulling up to, at the time, my girlfriend's house and just rattling her mom's windows on the front of her house, like literally. Like I had a soccer ball that, hang, that hung from my rearview mirror and it would just bounce up and down. And I, I just loved watching the soccer ball as if I was juggling that thing. Like, like this is what I was into. And then I remember when I got out of it and then having such a harsh spirit about everybody else who had done the thing that I had done. Don't you know any better? Why are you doing the same thing that I did? And then having this spirit of criticism instead of the spirit of grace and being like, don't you know how bad that sounds outside? You're, all I hear is your spoiler and trunk rattling. I don't actually hear your quality music. And, um, and going through that phase until one day I finally woke up and realized, oh, yeah, that was me. Like, I'm angry at me. I'm frustrated at myself. Just because I grew out of it doesn't give me the position or the heart attitude to then hold a place of judgment and criticism or lack of mercy or grace for those who are still processing their own journey. 
And I find myself, and so finally to come to the place, and now when I hear it, I laugh. Like, there's, it's almost a sense of joy. Do I still want to hear their trunk rattle? No. No, I, of course I don't, because it doesn't sound good. But like, and, and I joked, by the way, and I blamed my lack of hearing on heavy metal music. No, really, it was Wu-Tang Clan. It was in my car. And it was two 12-inch JL Audio subwoofers in this tiny trunk of my car. I loved it so much. I'm telling you way more than I should right now. But I, I loved it so much. I had a big vinyl decal on the middle of my windshield. I said, please come steal my stuff for whatever reason. I don't know why. And, uh, and I advertised. And I remember, I remember when Joanne had come to me and said, Oh, wow, you got sponsored by JL Audio. How much are they paying you? What? Like, I didn't even understand the concept of what she was speaking to me. And, uh, and, and she goes, oh, well, you, you put their name on your car. They must be paying you to do so. And, of course, I wrote it off as foolishness. <laughs> I, I didn't listen before I reacted to receive and what I thought was foolishness was actually wisdom that I later understood. And so often these things take time. Words are a reflection of the source and not the destination. Even if we're speaking to a situation or circumstance or cultural thing or family issue or I know, I know that cousin's difficult and they're asking you for money again, whatever it is, but how we speak. But my bigger concern as a pastor is not just the things that we say, but how we say things or the things we don't say reveal possibly a gap within our own hearts because we can't speak what we don't hear. And so sometimes it's a self-reflection of, you know what? In this season, I'm, I'm being very ungrateful in my language. Can I recognize then maybe I'm having a lack of gratitude in my life of being thankful for the things that I have for or I'm just, I'm just, I'm being extremely frustrated or angry. And maybe the overflow and the words that are coming out of my mouth are representing something that is not Christ-like. And it becomes a moment of why, why am I being frustrated in this time? Because maybe it's something else that's affecting my heart. Maybe it's, it's a frustration at work, but then I'm, I'm speaking to my children. And I'm not leaving the, the, the work communication and frustration with that employee or coworker or boss in that area. And I'm allowing it to then speak to my children who didn't cause that frustration. I'm allowing a different situation or circumstance to rob my voice of the Christ-likeness or fruit of the Spirit. And I can take time to say what is missing in my life that I'm not speaking love and grace, and mercy, and compassion, and acceptance. I think this is important. And it's a soul care that we can see here in Scripture. What is it that you need to hear? We finish as we get ready to, to wrap this up, and we're going to take communion, and we'll have a different style of communion. But in finishing the story in Mark chapter 7, verse 36 it says, Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone. He just healed a man, for, uh, healed his hearing or lack of hearing, his deafness, and says, but don't tell anyone. I love when Jesus does this. But the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. 
Oh my goodness. I love this. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and give speech to those who cannot speak. There is a speech that each and every one of us need as Christians. I believe no matter where we are in this process, in this walk, as a pastor, I am still in need of having a certain speech that I do not yet contain or walk in. And maybe it's different seasons and different situations, but I even find myself, you know what? I need to be intentional in this area. He says it gives speech to those who cannot speak seems to be a pattern that we see with the people of Jesus, of Jesus performing a miracle and saying, do not tell anyone, but yet they cannot help themselves. This alone is a miracle of disobedience in a way that Jesus, like this is so amazing and so great. And what if the impact that Jesus had on our lives through his love and his grace and his acceptance and his mercy could not, we would find ourselves in positions that we could not help that when someone brought their complaints to us and gave us an opportunity to partner with them in complaining and grumbling and negativity that we could not help but find ourselves in a place of saying, but Jesus does this, but Jesus performs a miracle. You're in need of financial breakthrough and Jesus has this thing. You're in need of reconciliation of this relationship and Jesus performs miracles in such a way that we would find ourselves to be unable to contain through speech and words the goodness of who he is and what he's doing in our lives, what he's doing in the church. What if that was a miracle of speaking that each and every one of us need to experience? And yet I find myself so many times failing to do this. How can I have a God who would sacrifice so much that why would, why would he continue to give me chances? Why would he continue to give me forgiveness? Why would he continue to speak these wonderful things into my life? Why would he continue to do this time and time again? But the thing is, words are a reflection of the source and not the destination. And so when we look at the character of God and we look at how merciful God is, how giving God is, how loving God is, we must be reminded that even when we take communion, we take it as a reminder, a reminder not of our sins, but Jesus said, as often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of who? Not me a remembrance of him, it's who he is, how good he is. I love even in Exodus that we find with Moses and it says in 34 verse six, the Lord passed in front of Moses calling out Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. This is the overflow of who God is. That when we come into this time and we remember him, that we recognize that even in communion, that this is the overflow of God. He says, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness.
So Jesus comes and he sits down with his disciples and saying, this is my body, which is given for you. And as often as you take this, you do this in remembrance of me. And takes the wine and pours it in the cup. So this is my blood, the representation of a new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. If our team will come forward, this is a different style communion. You may not be familiar with it, and that's okay. Normally, we have the communion elements that are available in your seats, and and um, and we we have that. And um, and I, I forgot we had a, a, a shift uh, this morning, um, and so. Uh, I'm just looking at problem solving this moment. I didn't solve this before service, but we had some people that were unable to make it today that were going to be leading communion um, with y'all. And so, uh, Miss Kelly, do you mind joining me in leading communion this morning? And, and I, as, as I didn't want to be all men up here. <laughs> and, uh, and if you don't mind leading communion with me as my wife will be uh, singing this song. And if you'll just come over here with Pastor Siobhan here for just a moment. But in, in this style of communion, so we'll have uh, two sets of people up here and you'll simply come up and um, in doing so, I'll actually come to Pastor Michael and lead communion for our team real quick. And this is his body broken for you. And this is his blood shed for you. difficult when you have to multitask. And this is his body given for you and the blood shed for you. And you simply respond, amen. If, if you don't feel comfortable for any reason taking this form of communion, we do have uh, the elements that are back there at Connect Center that you can use the, and there's a few up here on the speaker as well. And, and there's no shame. Uh, and you're more than welcome to, to take that form of communion and whatever that is. And will come his body given for you and his blood shed for you and his body broken for you and his blood shed for you. His body given for you and his blood shed for you. Would you like to take that bread? Pastor Shavank, you take the cup. Miss Kelly, if you'll take that bread. As you tear off a, a piece of bread, you'll just tear off what you need. Miss Kelly, if you'll come over here with me. We're going to go into a song during this time. Uh, the outside sections, the middle section, you can you can you know, just kind of split down the middle and, and go to each to your respective side. But if you'll stand with me in this time, I'm going to pray. And then the worship team is going to play a song during this time. And you're just free to come forward. But I would encourage you while you come forward, what is it that you need to hear? A time to reflect on words are a reflection of the source. How good is God? 
And how good is he to give you a miracle of hearing so you can have a miracle of speaking? And so what is it that you need to hear today? Is it forgiveness? Is it mercy? Is it love? Acceptance? Maybe it's peace. And you feel like you're experiencing chaos and uncertainty and you just need peace. But whatever that is for you, I just encourage you to process that as you come forward to take communion and believe that when you take that, not only do you receive those things, you receive a miracle from God. Lord, we thank you for this time. We remember Jesus through these elements and how good he is, how good of a father you are and that you would sacrifice your one and only son for the love of the world, that you receive each and every one of us, that you accept us and call us sons and daughters and adopt us into your family. And we thank you that we get to partake in remembrance of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's worship and take communion. You can begin to come.